Hi, I'm Russell Baxter, and you're listening to the On the Board Sports Podcast. Welcome back to another edition of the On The Board Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Shawnee On The Mic. Happy Wednesday to all. I am a pandemic slash quarantine here in Queens, New York. Introducing my co-host now, William Chirucci, who's east of me. Well, happy Wednesday, pal. And how are you? Doing all right, man. Can't complain. You know, it's hump day. Sean, I miss those, those quotes that you'd come up with. Yes. You know, what, who's better than a camel on, on hump day? You know, that I missed that, but yes, yes, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get back to that one, one of these days for sure. But anyway, no, Sean, listen, it's been absolutely unbelievable. Uh, again, shout out to every essential worker out there. Without you guys, you know, the list goes on and on and on. I could go on for hours and minutes talking about this, but Sean, thank you to every essential worker out there. Your mom is an essential worker. Shout out to her as well. Thank you for that. And not only that, but we have a very special guest with us today. Very special guest joining us, host of the Jake and Asman show from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, SB Nation Zone, Jake and Asman. Jake, thank you for taking some time, pal. How are you? Guys, I'm doing great. Always good to be on with a, a couple of New Yorkers for sure. And I really appreciate you having me. Absolutely. Likewise, pal. Likewise. Absolutely. Jake, where did the love of sports begin? You just alluded to the fact that you are from New York and, you know, you're from Long Island. So where did the love of sports begin for you? And number two, how did it begin for you? I get asked that a lot, and it's interesting, right? So growing up, I, I was a huge sportsman. I just loved playing sports. I wasn't good at anything, like most people that get into uh, sports media, but right. I, I've always loved it. I always also, as much as I love the Yankees, and I'm a huge Islander fan being from Long Island, and I loved, you know, I love the Jets, and I love the Knicks, you know, basically other than the Yankees, I've been tortured my whole life. But, you know, I've always loved sports growing up, but I also love the announcers as well, right? I'd always would fall asleep listening to John Sterling and, you know, Susan Waldman calling a Yankees game, or I'd listen to WFAN and hear Steve Summers' voice, you know, putting me to sleep. I'd grow up, I'd listen to, you know, Mike and the Mad Dog when I got home from school and the Michael K show on ESPN New York. So as much as I love sports, I always just had like a, a fascination, always had an interest with sports talk radio and then really, you know, the broadcasters that would call the games for my favorite team. And, you know, in New York, you guys know this, we're pretty spoiled with the announcers that we have, whether it be, you know, Gary Cohen calling the Mets, Kay with the Yankees, or Howie Rose called the Islanders and still does the Mets on radio. Mike Breen's the voice of the NBA Finals, and he's also the Knicks local announcer. I, I can go on and on with all the you yep. know, great broadcasters we have in New York. So it was great growing up and kind of immersing myself in those broadcasters and listening to sports talk radio. And, you know, I, I, I was lucky. My high school in Long Island, so I said high school, is one of, I think, three or four schools on Long Island that actually had a high school radio station. So ever since I was in ninth grade, I got a chance to really be on the radio once a week and do my own sports talk show that, you know, two people heard, my mom and probably my dad. But it was, you know, it was an amazing experience. And right. it was really in high school when I realized, hey, like, not only do I love sports, but I want to try and, you know, make a career somehow in sports media. I laugh. I, I smiled at that because nine years ago, Sean and I, we went to Nassau Community College together. That's how we met. And there would be the radio station there, 90.3 FM WHPC. I, I can remember that whole line, okay? And just listening to that just now with you talking about Syasa High School, 
uh, having one of its, you know, having a radio station there, it's sort of similar to us going to Nassau Community College as well. And they say community college is just an extension of high school as well, too. So I, we're just trying to be funny in that, in that regard, you know. Well, that's so, is one of the best community colleges out there. So, you know, being from Long Island, I obviously know that. I had a ton of friends that, yeah. you know, went to Nassau. One of my best friends in the world went to Nassau for two, saved a ton of money doing so, and then went to Hofstra and got his degree in communication. So, you know, Nassau's outstanding. I'm, I'm really close with uh, Josh Lavazan, who's one of the legislators in Nassau County. I mean, he, cool. he talks about Nassau, you know, Nassau Community College being great for him. He, he was on the school board at a high school. He won an election at 18. He's yep. on the Syosset School Board. He goes to NASA for two years, and he goes from NASA to Cornell and then goes to Harvard for a grad degree. So, you know, he, he always talks up uh, NASA Community College. So, definitely, you guys came from uh, some great pedigree there for sure. <laughs> Absolutely. Jake, where did you go to college? Uh, so, I graduated from Ithaca College, which for your listeners that don't know, that's in upstate New York in the same town as uh, Cornell. So, we share the town, and uh, Ithaca is a Division three school, and it's about – Probably an hour south of Syracuse is the best way to describe it. It's in central New York. Awesome. Excellent. Excellent. So, Jake, as you said, you're an, an Islander fan. So are me. I mean, so so are me and Will. Hockey came back uh, yesterday saying, you no, know, the 2014 uh, playoff, so on and so forth. What was your take seeing that, hearing that, that they're coming back, hopefully with this whole uh, – 2014 thing. Yeah, I loved it. You know, I spent a lot of time this morning on the radio show discussing it. I think the NHL got it right. You know, if you would just go right to the playoffs and take the eight teams in each conference, it's way tougher to do that in hockey when you have a team like the Islanders, let's say, that are a point out of a playoff spot when the season ended, yet they still have two games in hand with the team they're chasing in Columbus. So there was no fair way to try and just go right to the playoffs. The Rangers fans would be screaming too because their team's a point behind the Islanders and they're playing great when the season got suspended. So I think the only way to do it was to expand the playoffs. The issue you have when you try and expand the playoffs is, well, you know, the teams that would get a bye, right, one through four, they're going to want to play. They don't want other teams playing while they're sitting on the sidelines. They're at a disadvantage. So I thought the round-robin idea to try and increase seeding in the top one through four seeds is a great way to still incentivize those teams to play. And obviously, by expanding the playoffs, you let every team that, you know, probably had a, a real legitimate claim that they were going to make the playoffs if the season were to end or if they had more time to make up the games and make up the points, you allow those teams to get in. So I think Gary Bettman and the Players Association, they did a great job coming together with this plan. And, you know, I can't wait for sports to return. And if hockey could be, you know, one of the you know, first sports back, I think that's going to be huge for people tuning in and maybe, you know, getting some, you know, extra fans down the line that will be interested in NHL hockey. The Islanders are going up against the Florida Panthers in the first round, and it's a rematch of the 2016 first round of that Stanley Cup uh, playoff series. Uh, pretty epic one at that. Islanders winning their first series in 23 years. And looking at it, you know, now you, you're seeing that the Islanders have the seventh seed, while the Panthers, I believe, have the tenth seed, if I'm not mistaken, with, which, which is all crazy. And this is a once-in-a-lifetime uh, thing here. Jake, what do you see the Islanders doing here in a month as far as, you know, just going out there and just trying to get to the next round to go up against Tampa Bay? Yeah, it's going to be a challenge. I mean, you know, it's the NHL playoffs. I don't think any sport has you know more parity in it than the NHL does when it comes to the playoffs. I mean, we've seen eight seeds go on miracle runs and win Stanley Cups. And, right. you know, go back to last year, the Lightning had the best regular season in the history of the modern era, mm -hmm. and they got swept in the first round. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's going to be a crapshoot. It's going to be a toss-up. You have a lot of guys that maybe were injured that were not going to be able to be a part of a playoff run. 
then all of a sudden they've had all this time off. They're healthy, ready to go. I, you know, I can make a case for any of these teams right now. So, you know, I don't really have a feel how the Islanders are going to do whatsoever. I think, you know, it helps that you have a great coach in Barry Trotz. I'll have the guys ready to go. But, you know, it's going to be a crapshoot. Who knows how it's going to unfold. And, you know, it wouldn't shock me at all if you get like a 15-seed Canadian squad that stuns the Pittsburgh Penguins, let's say, as a five-seed in the first round. Carey Price gets hot. All of a sudden, Montreal's got a real chance. And they were sellers at the deadline. So this could just be pandemonium, you know, come playoff time in July. So it's going to be, it's going to be wild. I can't wait to watch. Well said, Jake. Well said. Jake, I have a two-part uh, question for you, pal. Transitioning from hockey to an in MLB, how did you become a uh, Yankees fan, num- uh, number one? And number two, you're a Yankee fan living in Houston. <laughs> I knew that would come up. And we all know what happened with Houston and then uh, the Sox. What was your take on the quote-unquote punishments that were given down to Houston and to uh, Boston? Well, I like how you use the air quotes for punishments because that's exactly how I feel about the whole thing as well. And I feel like that's how probably most Yankee Dodger and just baseball fans in general feel about the whole thing. Uh, I became a Yankee fan, luckily, because my dad wasn't really into baseball. My dad was a huge football fan, a huge Jets fan. He grew up idolizing Joe Namath. So I became a Jets fan through him. If my dad had cared about baseball, I probably would have been a Met fan because my dad, if he had to choose a team, it would be the Mets. You know, Jets and Mets played at Chase Stadium. You know, Mets are in Queens, close to Long Island. You know, you guys know this. You live in Queens. So, yeah. you know, so I probably would have been a Mets fan. The reason why I'm not a Mets fan and I am a Yankees fan is because my uncle is a diehard Yankees fan. And he took me to my first game. I'd always watch baseball games at his place, always watch the Yankees. So, you know, if it wasn't for my uncle, I probably would have been a Mets fan. And that would have been, a, you know, just even more torture with my teams than I already have being a Jet, Islander, and Nick fan. So that's the reason why I'm a Yankee fan, and I'm grateful for that. And as far as the Astro punishment goes, I mean – there really wasn't a punishment. So they suspended, you know, the manager, A.J. Hinch, and they got rid of Jeff Luno, the GM. It was a player-driven scheme, according to the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manford, yet the punishments didn't affect any player. And the idea that they couldn't punish the players because they wouldn't be able to get it through the union, well, at least try. Make Tony Clark the bad guy. At least try and put some sort of punishment down. They didn't even bother. You know, they were like, oh, well, we needed to get the testimony from the players. We needed them to tell the truth. Well, how about you threaten the players with bigger suspensions if they don't tell the truth and you find out they're lying? It would have been that hard to find out what really happened without giving immunity. So it just it's never added up to me. I think Manfred made a huge miscalculation on just how big of a deal this story would be. And the other thing in all this is if you don't want to punish the players because you think you can't, then how about vacating the title? I, like There might not be an official asterisk there on that World Series championship, but nobody takes it seriously. So you might as well just vacate it and say it didn't happen. It doesn't count. You can't hang a banner because no one looks at that as a legitimate championship. So I just thought, you know, between the lack of player punishments, between, you know, not doing anything to affect the franchise, a $5 million fine to a billionaire and Jim Crane, the owner, means absolutely nothing. So, you know, I, I, you know to, to, you know, call it even a punishment feels weird. It doesn't really feel like there was that big of a punishment given the crimes they committed. And you look at it too – as far as the whole vacating the title, really, 1919, people look at the Reds winning the World Series, but ultimately, that year, people keep on talking about the Black Sox throwing the World Series more so than the Reds actually winning it because of that. So, in essence, it's always up to public opinion and, and such for, for what's been going on over the past 100 years of, of everything that happened from the Black Sox scandal all the way up to now. 
my question for you is though, to move on from the cheating allegations, is the fact that Garrett Cole is a New York Yankee. How do you feel about Garrett Cole donning the pinstripes for just about nine for a nine year deal? And number two, with this whole coronavirus happening now, what happens now with baseball going forward? Do they go out and do they figure a way to make something new, you know, with the owners and the players trying to strike a deal here? Your thoughts? Yeah, so Garrett Cole, I mean, he's going to be a stud in New York. I mean, the guy grew up a Yankee fan. I mean, you had Andy Pettit sitting in the pitch meeting telling him all about what it's like. You had a pitch for the Yankees. I think Garrett Cole, some guys just get it. Some guys are just ready for that that big market, that moment. Garrett Cole's that guy. I mean, this is, think think CC Sabathia 2009 signing all over again. And what CC meant to the Yankees for all those years, being that ace that was a true difference maker in a rotation that needed an ace. You know, the Yankees didn't lose to Houston last year because they couldn't pitch. They lost because they couldn't hit. That's but right. there's no doubt that they certainly would be, you know, uh, the, the, a big beneficiary of a frontline ace that says, you know what, you guys aren't going to hit for me. It doesn't matter. I'll go out there and I'll pitch to a 1-5 playoff ERA, which is what Garrett Cole did last year for the Astros. He's incredible. I got a chance to cover him, obviously, up close living here in Houston. To me, he should have won the Cy Young over Verlander. And I thought he – I mean, when he's on, he's unhittable. Like, he's his stuff is the, the filthiest in the game, I'd argue. So, to get him, I think is – you know, obviously a no-brainer type of move for the Yankees. Yes, it's nine years. It's a lot of money. But if they win a championship over the course of the nine years, no one's really going to care. Look at A-Rod's contract. Look at CeCe's contract. All it takes is that one championship, and all of a sudden you're a legend in New York City. So no-brainer move. I- I'm hoping we get to see him pitch. I still think we will. Obviously the players are arguing with the owners over – you know, the pace structure for this condensed season. I think it's a lot of posturing on both sides. I spent some time this morning on the show really talking about it. I think ultimately they get a deal done just because, you know, I came in a vision what the damage to the sport would be if hockey comes back, basketball comes back, football starts on time in the fall, and Major League Baseball is not playing over money. I just, I can't picture it, you know? So I really hope that, you know, cooler sides prevail here and they get a deal done, hopefully by the end of the week so we can start spring training too and then get, you know, the season restarted around the 4th of July. Just think about that for a second there. You just said it right there. The NHL actually came up with its plan first. Think about that. When we were as kids growing up, right, the NHL went through a strike-shortened year. They had the, the whole lockout in 04-05, and baseball was still going strong. Basketball was going strong, obviously. Football was still going strong. Now, throughout this whole pandemic, hockey actually came back out with its plan first. Just Something to really think about there after the whole, after that whole 180, you know, it's just absolutely unbelievable. Uh, listen, what, fans don't want to listen to millionaires argue with billionaires. I mean, the right. majority of fans are going to come down on the side of the owners, whether that's fair or not. To me, I don't really care. Just get a deal done. You know, I, I think what they offered yesterday with, you know, the top players like a Garrett Cole or Mike Trout having to take like the most cuts in their salary I don't think that's going to fly with the players but what's the counter to that you know can the owners defer some of this money to years down the line to make up for it I, there's got to be some sort of compromise I just think ultimately there will be a compromise and we're going to see baseball at some point well said Jake well said so Jake me and Will I wouldn't say we had an argument about this but Will said no big deal I felt it was a huge deal the fact that one idiotic person decided not to vote for Derek Jeter to be a Hall of uh, Famer. Me and Will went back and forth. Will said, ah, he's in the hall. Nobody cares. I said, no, we need to find out who this guy is. 
tie him up, strangle him, because he is a complete <laughs> fool. Jake, what was your thoughts when you heard he was in, but it was, but it was not a unanimous choice? Oh, I, I thought it was a disgrace. I, I, I'm with you there, Sean. I mean, I, I remember I was live on the radio when it happened. I was doing afternoons at the time for SB Nation before uh, my time shift happened with everything going in the mornings. And I remember when they announced Jeter got in, I knew he was getting in. We all did. But I was like, did he get 100%? Did he get 100%? Because once Mariano got 100%, this idea that no player is worthy of 100% goes out the window. It's bogus. A guy is either a Hall of Famer or he's not. Stop right. voting for somebody else because you know that person is going to get in. They don't need your vote. That's ridiculous. You vote for the guy you think is a Hall of Famer. So I, I, I thought Jeter was going to get 100%. So it's one thing if he missed it by a couple votes. But to miss it by one and the fact that we still don't know who the writer was that did that, I think right. it's a disgrace. It's shameful. Now, I know Derek's not going to care, but there's something to be said about this guy getting 100% of the vote. He's, he's obviously earned it. He's one of the best players ever. He's one of the best Yankees of all time. So, yeah, I, I was with you. I was a little irked by that. But, you know, at the end of the day, I'm glad Jeter's going in. And, you know, it, it's a shame that, you know, the ceremony, the summer is going to be postponed because of the virus. But, you know, 2021 is going to be crazy when Derek Jeter makes his way to Cooperstown. I mean, you know, the, the, the attention, the hoopla that he's going to bring to that very small city in upstate New York is going to be incredible. Absolutely. Well said right there. Transition over now from the Yankees over to the Mets. Okay, my partner is a Mets fan. I'm, I'm the Yankee fan. I'm the resident Yankee fan here, <laughs> you know. But anyway, throw that out the window. The Mets, 2020, if this season does resume, what do you see the Mets doing? I think they're a playoff team. I think they're going to be right there. I mean, this team won 86 games a year ago after an abysmal start. We know about the Mets in the month of June. It's a joke. It's almost better they're starting the season in July because the Mets can't have their, like, usual 4-20 and 20 month of June. That they've right. had the last few years. So, yeah, I mean, they're a really good team. Do they still have some holes? Yes. But if they can get Cespedes healthy and him being able to be the DH, you would think, if they eliminate the pitcher hitting, I think benefits the Mets in this condensed season. You know, you have DeGrom. Losing Syndergaard's going to hurt, but you have Stroman on a contract year, so I would expect him to pitch really well. I, I, I think they're a good team. I, I don't know if they're a great team, but if they get in with their pitching staff, they certainly have a chance. Their bullpen's the biggest question mark. You know, we know what they have in Alonzo and Jeff McNeil. We know they have a good lineup with Corn Conforto. And, you know, I mentioned Cespedes. We'll see what he is. The question for the Mets is their bullpen. Did they fix it? Can Dellen Batantis come in and, and, and fill that eighth inning role? Is Edwin Diaz going to pitch like the guy in Seattle or a guy that just didn't belong in the big leagues at times last year? That's the biggest question with everything you're going to see with the Mets in, in 2020. You know, how does that bullpen hold up? Because I think offensively they're going to score – I think starting pitching-wise, they're going to be able to keep those guys in games. It's about the back end of the bullpen, making sure they don't blow as many saves as they did last year. Because think about it like this. If the Mets bullpen was just average last year, instead of winning 86 games, they probably went over 90 games, and that gets you into the playoffs. So I think they got a real shot. I really do. But they can't get off to a bad start because any team that gets off to a terrible start, it's going to be tough to make it up when you're only talking about an 82-game season. Well said, Jake. Well said. Jake, so like yourself, Will is also a fan of the J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets. Um, obviously, last year, got off to the horrible start, finished really, really strong, 7-9. I felt that they killed the draft. I felt that their draft was really, really well. I know Will thought the, um, the same thing. Coming into year two, what, do you, what did you think of the draft they had and what are you expecting in year number two under Coach Gates? 
Yeah, I'm expecting the Jets to, to, to make the playoffs this year, to be totally honest, guys. I, I agree with you. You know, I, I think they had a great draft. I thought Joe Douglas did a great job. How nice was it to see a Jets GM make a trade, get more picks, and still get the player we all wanted all along and Denzel Mims? Right. That was amazing. Right. I mean, we're, we're used to watching, you know, John Isaac and Mike McCagden in back-to-back regime. So to see someone like Joe Douglas navigate the draft board was like a foreign language to all of us that we were watching unfold. Right. So it, it was amazing to see. I, and listen. The Jets started 1-7 last year. They finished 7-9. and nine. This idea that they're so far away, I think, is bogus. I mean, if Sam Darnold doesn't get mono in mystery games, they don't go 0-3 without him. You know, you're talking about a team that probably has at least eight, maybe nine wins if Sam never goes down. The Jets also had all these injuries on defense, yet Greg Williams coached his you-know-what off and still had this team ranked in the top ten. They're going to get C.J. Mosley back. They're going to get Avery Williamson back. You know, and I like what they did with Mims in the draft. I like bringing in uh, Brashad Perryman. I think he's going to easily replace the production they were going to get from Robbie Anderson. I'm high on Jamison Crowder. I'd love to see um, Chris Herndon healthy at tight end. I think he's a forgotten weapon that they have in this offense. I don't think they're that far away. I'm not the biggest Adam Gase fan, but I give him credit for two things. One, he hired Greg Williams. And two, the team never quit after they were one and seven. Like they finished six and two in the second half. I don't think enough Jet fans and people in the media – give Gase enough credit for that. He's not as bad of a coach as people are trying to make it seem like he was this past year. Now, with all that being said, anything short of the Jets competing for a, a playoff spot this year, I think would be a major step back and a major disappointment. Sam, if he's healthy with an improved offensive line, I think has a chance to really take a huge step forward in his third year. I'm a big believer in Sam Darnold. And I also think when you look at the AFC adding an extra wild card spot, there's no reason why the Jets in a division that now no longer has Tom Brady in it can't be competing for the division and at the minimum being in the mix for one of the three wild card spots. So right. I, I'm all in on the Jets making a run at the playoffs. I think anything short of that, you know, barring just catastrophic injuries to Sam and who knows what else, you know, happens with the team, I think would be a major disappointment for this team. I really do. Jake, to piggyback off of you, my next question for you is like you said, Brady is gone. Gronk is back in the league. Um, you got so many different uh, storylines. You got Philip uh, uh, Rivers now to the Colts, and Christian McCaffrey got paid. Dak also wants to get paid. We didn't have the draft as as we know it. It was a virtual draft. What to you has been the one or two biggest uh, storylines that we've seen uh, so far? I think the biggest storyline has has been Brady leaving teams. I mean, you're talking about Tom Brady. He might be the best quarterback ever. He leaves New England. I, I thought there was never a chance he would actually leave. And then, you know, the more you kept hearing about it, it's like, wow, this actually might happen. And it's and the team he goes to is not a team anyone talked about. It was always the Raiders or the Chargers or the Titans. And then Tampa Bay just emerged. And you're like, oh, wow, he's actually going to go to Tampa Bay and and play for Bruce Arians. So I think Brady's the biggest story for obvious reasons. But, you know, you mentioned a lot of the other things that are going on this offseason. You know, just how the pandemic affects the NFL is going to be an ongoing conversation for months. When are training camps going to open? Are fans going to be allowed in the stands at, at some point? Are we going to have, you know, the NFL season delayed to mid-October? So there's more of a chance that by the end of the year, you can get some fans in the stands and make up some of, you know, the lost gate revenue that the league is going to try and recoup. So, I just think between Brady leaving his team, that's the biggest story of the offseason. But the bigger story that's going to be never ending with what's going on in the world right now is how the pandemic impacts the NFL moving forward. We know about the, you know, the virtual draft. 
But now how about training camp? And how about what it looks like when we're supposed to kick off the football in September, if that's going to happen on time. So that's the story that I'm closely following every day doing a daily show. Jake, you mentioned Sam Darno earlier. Okay. Joe, Joe Douglas signed Joe Flacco a couple days ago to one year deal. Good move. Wound up getting a backup quarterback in the draft. Another good move, in my honest opinion. Uh, as far as the depth goes for, for the quarterback position here, last year, Simeon goes down in week two against the Browns on Monday Night Football. Luke Falk comes in oh. after seeing after, – believe me, I was there for every game, literally at MetLife for every single game, okay? <laughs> An absolute disaster. Now, with that said, with, with Sam – we know that year three, this is year three now. Yep. What's going to happen here with this kid? Because as a Jet fan, both me and you know, this is it. This is it for, not, th- not this is it, but this is make or break at this point in time. You know? Yeah. What, what's your thoughts on that? I am a huge Sam Darnold fan. I loved him at UFC. I am the biggest believer in him. I mean, you know, I talk to my friend Dan all the time, and we're, we're like the two biggest Sam Darnold fans. It's, and it's funny. You know, we talked about the Jets being 1-7 at the beginning of the year. Three of those games were Sam Darnold not playing. The first game against Buffalo, I mean, you were there. I don't need to tell you how disgraceful it was. They blew a 16-0 lead in the second half. Sam's CJ Mosley. C.J. Mosley not being there either didn't help out that he had the fourth quarter. Yeah, in the first three quarters of that game, he was playing like Lawrence Taylor in his prime. And, you know, he goes down, the defense falls apart. But Sam was playing with mono in that game, too. You don't just get mono a day later. He said he was under the weather going into that game. So, really, four games were impacted last year because of Sam's mononucleosis diagnosis. If he's healthy and Douglas has done such a masterful job, in my opinion – you know, fine-tuning the line, whether it be through free agency or drafting a guy like Makai Becton with the 11th overall pick, by accident, the Jets' O-line is going to be better. If you're not watching the Jets, you probably didn't see all the special plays Sam Darnold would make. Because why were you watching a team that stunk last year? In the first half, they were 1-7. and seven. But there were moments where you're like, wow, if this guy has a line, if he has better receivers, he's special. And I really think that if Sam stays healthy now in his third year – he has an opportunity to put it all together and help take the Jets to the next level. The fact that they were 7-9 and nine last year, despite him missing three games and playing the first game with Mono, I look at it from an optimistic standpoint. Sure, the schedule was way easier in the second half. But you know what? You have to beat who's on your schedule. There's something to be said for winning games, and they had a winning record when Sam played. So I love Darnold. I think he has a chance to be not just good, but a great quarterback in the NFL. And I really hope that this line is as good as I think it can be, and Sam could take that next step. Second year in Adam Gase's offense should help him. And I'm optimistic that he's going to be a guy that, you know, us as Jet fans have been waiting a long time for, a legitimate franchise quarterback that we know is going to be our guy moving forward. Well said, Jake. Well said. Jake? Uh, two-parter here. How did you get started at, at SB uh, Nation? And tell everyone about the show uh, that you do from 9 to 11. Sure. So, um, you know, I got started at SB Nation Radio basically just because, you know, I was a year out of school, graduated from Ithaca, as we talked about earlier in this podcast. And I was working two part-time radio gigs. I was working at an internet station on Long Island. At the time, it was called Sports on the Go 1. I was doing a morning show for them and you know, basically being paid nothing. I was doing some sales stuff on the side just to, like, have the airtime to do a talk show. It was a New York sports talk show. I was right out of college. I was getting reps, getting experience. No one's listening. But I was able to build a demo tape and keep that fresh as I was applying, you know, to different jobs in, in, in different markets. So, 
you know, I went out there and um, I would basically just send out my tape to a bunch of different program directors and asking for feedback. And hey, if you have any openings, please keep me in mind. And it was frustrating for because for about a year, it was like, hey, we like you, you know, good stuff here. We just don't have anything. Stay in touch. So basically did that for a year. And eventually I sent an email out uh, to my now boss here at SB Nation Radio. And he called me and said, hey, I think we're going to have an opening for a fill-in host during the week. And you'll have your own show on weekends. And, you know, SB Nation Radio is owned by Gal Media. And Gal Media also owns the local ESPN Houston affiliate here in town. So it would you know, provide opportunities to report for the Texans, Astros, Rockets, and occasionally fill-in hosts on ESPN 97.5 when they needed me. You know, I kind of worked my way to that. But, you know, I knew there, that that was a possibility. So it just made sense once there was a full-time offer that came with it. You know, I knew I was going to move. And, you know, I'm very lucky that my first, you know, full-time job is in a great city like Houston. I've been here since uh, you know, July 2018. So coming up on you know, almost two years now. And the show I do every morning from 9A to 11A Eastern is, you know, a national sports talk show, just basically hitting on whatever the big stories are in sports that day. And, you know, usually have, you know, a big name guest or two that will join the show. Today, I spoke to uh, Tiki Barber. Last week, I had Adam Schefter on. Uh, Ernie Johnson came on the show. So I like to try and bring on big names and be entertaining when I'm not talking to a guest. What's been your favorite moment so far working at SB Nation? Uh, I would probably say getting the chance to to cover two Super Bowls for them. I, I did Radio Row in Atlanta, and I did Radio Row in Miami this past February. And getting the chance to just interview, you know, some of the names that you know, we were able to have on the show. I mean, I interviewed the Backstreet Boys. I interviewed MC Hammer. I interviewed Martha Stewart, Lil Nas X, Rob Riggle. You know, not even, like, sports people I'm talking about here. And then I also had, like, DeAndre Hopkins on the show. And, right. uh, you know, Von Miller, Cam Newton came on a couple months back. Like, it's getting a chance to – to talk to some of these guys has been such a thrill and you know through SB Nation Radio sending us to these remotes to do these shows we've had that access we've had that opportunity so that's certainly been a highlight and I just love talking about sports man you know I was on furlough for six weeks as they were kind of reshaping the company with the pandemic and all the you know lack of you know advertisement money coming in and you know it, it sucks being unemployed there's no doubt so I'm just grateful to be back on the air talking about sports every day and you know, hopefully providing an escape for any listener that tunes in that doesn't want to hear about, you know, pandemic stuff or, you know, turn on, turns on the news and sees everything going on in the world about, you know, death and people getting sick. Hopefully I provide like a nice distraction every morning. So that's what I try to do on the show. Well said, Jake. Well said. Good. Jake, I don't want to do this to you, but I'm going to do it to you. All right. Unfortunately, you are a fan of the New York Knicks and, um, and you know, it seems like the tide is starting to turn. Leon Rose is in, and uh, Scott Perry is there, and he's trying to decide what to do. I think the NBA is a much better league when three teams are doing great. The Celtics, the Lakers, and the Knicks. Lakers check, Celtics check. The Knicks are that missing team. What do you think it's going to take to get them back to the days of 93, 94, 99, when they were playing so well and competing for uh, championships. Yeah, I mean, the Knicks basically have been bad my entire adult life. I mean, it's going on <laughs> 20 years of them being bad. We had the one year with Melo and Jason Kidd and Tyson Chandler and, you know, 2012-13, that, you know, they won 54 games. But other than that, I mean, it's been nothing but disappointment and failure. I mean, you know, I guess the easy answer that people would say is, oh, well, Dolan's got to sell the team. But I, I don't look at it like that, right? I mean, like, you know, James Dolan owns the Rangers, too, and, and no one's complaining about Dolan being a bad owner with the hockey team. So I don't think it's all Dolan. I just think, you know, Dolan has made some terrible hires, which is, you know, he's played a role in that sense. Like Phil Jackson, Isaiah Thomas, 
disasters. You know, sometimes he's overstepped his boundaries, but there's been times where he's done nothing and, you know, he's allowed Phil Jackson to run the team into the ground. And people are like, oh, you got to meddle. You got to fire Phil. Well, everyone was killing him for meddling in the first place. He's finally staying out of the way. And now you want him to meddle. So I don't, I think the, the cop out's just to blame Dolan. You know, he's not blameless. Don't get me wrong. But I think the biggest thing for the Knicks is hiring a guy like Leon Rosen. You hope that, you know, the hires he makes in the front office helps identify some talent in the draft. And the hires that he makes, you know, whoever the head coach is going to be, if it's Tom Thibodeau or if it's going to be, you know, Mark Jackson or Jeff Van Gundy, you hope that the person calling the shots makes smart hires and they find talent. You know, the idea that free agents are just going to sign with the Knicks, how many times do we need to be burned as Knicks fans thinking a star free agent is going to sign with the Knicks just because of Madison Square Garden? I've always looked at it like this. If the Knicks draft well and have a good core in place, the tiebreaker would go to the Knicks because people would want to play at Madison Square Garden, play in New York City. But if it's even, the Stars aren't going to sign with the Knicks who are a bad team when there's a chance to go for a team that's really good that has more pieces in place. So the Knicks need to develop their own talent. They need to make sure they draft right and, and build the team from, from, you know, from within, rebuild and, and make sure – they have a young nucleus in place that, you know, a star player would want to play with. Durant and Kyrie Irving didn't go to the Knicks because of James Dolan. They didn't go to the Knicks because they were a 17-win team and the Nets were a 40-plus win team and had a, had a great roster. Like, that's what it comes down to. You got to have the infrastructure in place. LeBron didn't go to the Lakers because it was L.A. That's part of it. But he also went there because he realized if he goes there, he has a chance to win with the players they have, and then they can add another star in Anthony Davis. So, like the, 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 there's no like quick fix with the Knicks. Like they have to go about it the right way, make smart picks, smart signings, and go from there. That's the only way they're going to be able to fix this mess. My partner's a Nets fan, so just to hear that is just you know <laughs> from his perspective is just you know what what he kind of wanted to hear in that instance. Well, he knows so. I'm right. The, the, I have nothing against the Nets. The Nets built right. it the right way. The job that Sean Marks did building that team is, was outstanding. And, you know, I, listen, Durant and Kyrie ran him, out of time, uh, ran, ran him out of town, but, you know, Kenny Atkinson did a great job developing young players. He's a guy the Knicks should hire because that's exactly what they need, a guy that could develop right. young talent. Very true. Absolutely. Absolutely right there. Hey, speaking of, you know, the top athletes in New York, you mentioned and referred to – Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant on your Mount Rushmore of New York athletes right now, who is on your Mount Rushmore of New York athletes right now? Just all time or just current New York current, athletes? Current New York athletes. Oh, that's a good question. Current New York athletes. I think you got to put Aaron judge on there. I, I just think, yes, he's been injury prone, but I mean, he's the biggest star on the biggest team in the city. So you got to put judge on there. I would put Jacob deGrom on there too. I mean, he's the biggest star on the Mets. He's won back-to-back Cy Young's. I think you have to include him. Right. basketball I don't think there is one because we haven't seen Durant play with the Nets yet and Kyrie's been so banged up he's barely played so if they win here and they become stars like we know they are then I think you would have to find a way to include probably Durant on that list but I'm going to leave out the Nets the Knicks don't have anybody right now that's worthy if we go to hockey I mean if you want to include a hockey player you probably would have to put Henrik Lundqvist there he's the established long-term guy Eli Manning would be there if he was still active so he's off so football wise you know, we have two spots left. I think you could probably go Saquon Barkley because he's a superstar. Yes, you know, he's still young, but he's the face of the Giants franchise. And that last spot is tough. I mean, do you put another Yankee there because they have so many stars? You know, you know Garrett Cole you can make a case for, certainly. Um, I'm trying to think. But do you, I, you know what? I probably would put, I probably would put uh, uh, Pete Alonso on that list because I think with the Mets, you might have to put two guys on there. 
know, DeGrom for sure and Alonzo. But the Yankees, it's tricky. I mean, I could go Gary Sanchez. I can go DJ LeMayhew. But it's tough when you're talking about four. If you go kind of star power, I think Alonzo's a bigger star than any other Yankee I could put on that list necessarily. So that's what I'll do. I'll go DeGrom. I'll go Alonzo. I'll go Aaron Judge. And I'll go Saquon. I'm definitely missing somebody, but that's like the four that, that I'm coming to right now. Jamal Adams doesn't ring a bell. Okay, done. Jamal Adams, take him, take <laughs> off, uh, take off Pete. Let's get the Jets on there. Jamal Adams, there you go. <laughs> Not even Matt Barzell either. As I love, I love the Islanders, but I, I don't think Barzell has the appeal, you know, to other, to right. uh, the appeal in the city as he does to the, the Islander fans. He's phenomenal. If Tavares was still playing with the Islanders, he'd be on the list because he would have been in the town for ten years already. So I think it's a little different with an Islander player. It's tough to make the list if you're a hockey player, which is why, like, I think you got to include Lundqvist, but majority of New Yorkers don't really care that much about hockey. So it's also a tough argument to make. Mm. That's very true. That's very true. True. Jake, my final question for you. Well, yes, I'm sorry. My final question for you is I saw, I was actually tuning into the Michael K show that day. Honest to God. Really? A story. I was tuning into Michael K that day when he shouted you out and his exact words were, were that Jake kid is going to be a star uh, one day. How good did that feel <clears throat> hearing those words from Michael K, especially him being the guy that he is? Yeah, I, I mean, Michael K is my hero. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny. I've met him a couple times. They're like, oh, don't meet your heroes. But every time I've met him, he, he could not have been a nicer guy. You know, uh, when the Yankees came – to Houston this past year in the regular season and the playoffs I got together with him and got a chance to catch up and say hello I mean he's always treated me great you know it's funny Michael K you know has been such a big part of my life because I grew up listening to his show on radio and I'm a huge Yankee fan so like literally I, I'd listen to like seven hours a day of like Michael <laughs> K's voice during baseball season so I like I feel like I know the guy even though I know him but like I feel like I like like I've known him my whole life in a sense so you know he's such a nice guy I really appreciated the kind words and it was funny I you know I normally would listen to his show driving into my show here when I was doing afternoons and Peter asked him a question what are people in Houston saying about the Astros and I'm like well I could give you some perspective on that so I just shot Kay an email and I totally forgot I sent him an email I was in the middle of doing my show and all of a sudden my phone starts blowing up with people telling me that he he mentioned me on the radio so I was able to get the uh the audio clip from that afterwards and you know it meant it meant a lot it was so nice of him to say and uh you know, obviously I've been a fan of his for such a long time, but for him to say that, you know, really means a ton. And I'm always going to be thankful for, you know, the kind words he, that he said there for sure. Jake, him, my... him and Don fight all the time, bro. Him and Don go back and forth. Yeah. All it's, the time it's great fight. radio. You know, I think they have the best show in New York and, you know, there's yeah. a reason why they're number one in, you know, the ratings there. I think Peter comes on Peter Rosenberg and adds really a nice element can kind of, you know, be really funny and take the show in different directions at times. And I just think, it's not easy, you know, being in the business, it is not easy to do a show with two other people. Everyone's got to kind of know their role, and Peter plays that third role perfectly, and obviously Don's like the main co-host off of Michael, and Michael drives the show and sets the scene. Everyone right. knows their role. Everyone executes their role to absolute perfection, and it's so funny. When one of them's off, the show just sounds a little bit different. It's just a different type of show when one of them is not there. So, you know, they have just done such a masterful job the three of them perfecting the chemistry perfecting their on-air role where i think it's as entertaining as any show in radio let alone just new york jake my final question for you is since you've been down in houston now for the past couple of years what's the thing that you miss most about new york is it the food is it just in general just having things around you 24 7 
what is that for you? Yeah, so I guess my family and friends would be upset if I didn't say them. So I obviously miss, you know, I miss the people. I miss my, my mom, my dad, my brother. I miss, right. you know, my extended family and obviously my friends who I'm, you know, still in touch with all the time. But, you know, I'll tell you what, I love Houston. The food here is amazing. Great barbecue, great restaurant. The only thing I would say that Houston doesn't have that I just wish they had was great pizza, man. I miss New York pizza more than anything. I'm a huge pizza guy, but I'm also a pizza snob. So like people here are always telling me about different pizza spots. I'm just like, eh, I'm not really into it. I, I've tried enough of it to know it's just not the same. So I'm a pizza snob. So to obviously, you know, not have New York pizza available to me on a day-to-day basis, that's, that to me is what I miss the most. Okay. So what's your go, what was your go-to place for a slice up here in New York? And what's your favorite place in Houston? Uh, so favorite restaurant in Houston is hmm, probably this place. There's, there's a steakhouse here called Steak 48, which is a local chain. It is just a lot of the ball players and the athletes in town go there. A lot of the charity events for these teams are there. So I've been there, you know, you know, you know, for free, if you will, covering an event and getting free food. That's the only reason why I go, right? I mean, come on. But uh, so that, that'd be my favorite restaurant in Houston. Any barbecue place you're going to love. And as far as New York goes, you know, pizza places, you know, being from Long Island, I would, I would always uh, love to go to Little Vincent's in Huntington. They're known for their cold cheese slice pizza. The line yeah. is just out the door at night if you're out in the Huntington area. Mm-hmm. And it's only cash, so it's very old school, very small, but the pizza's so good. And if I'm in New York City, my favorite spot is probably John's on Bleecker Street. I had that in November when I was back in town for a weekend. So uh, that, those would be my, my two go-tos if you have to pick one from the island and one from uh, Manhattan. Awesome stuff. Awesome stuff. I'm also a pizza, a pizza guy too. I love my pizza as well. So maybe one day after this show's over, you know, we can talk about top five spots and all that (laughs) stuff for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Hopefully, you know, you guys in New York will be a lot out of the house soon to actually go and get some pizza, right? (laughs) We do it. We do it. So it it is, it is what is Jake. How do the people follow you in your show and how do the people follow you on social media? Yeah, if you want to listen to the show, it's it's every single morning, 9A to 11A Eastern time. Uh, it's on SB Nation Radio. There's no affiliate for it um, in New York, so you can listen on the SB Nation Radio app or just go to SBNationRadio.com. And if you miss a show, miss an interview, the podcast is available. We just replay the show on, on podcast. Just search The Jake Asman Show wherever you get your podcast, Apple or Spotify. And you know my social media is at Jake Asman. It's literally just my name. So give me a follow. love to interact and obviously talk sports and whatever else. Awesome job, Jake. Awesome. Jake, continued success, pal. Keep up the great work. <clears throat> and thank you for making some time to come and talk sports with me and Will, bro. Thank you so much, man. Thank yeah, you. Sean, Will, thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, best of luck with the show. And hopefully, uh, you know, you guys are allowed out of the house soon. The sport's coming back. And, you know, some good news on the horizon with everything, you know, going on in New York. Obviously, my thoughts and, and prayers are with everyone, you know, in that area. I know it well. You know, family's still there. So, you know, hopefully right. – you know, moving forward, we're, we get back to normal and, you know, we'll be allowed out of the house and be able to go do some fun stuff again, for sure. Yep, absolutely. Anytime you're welcome back on the show as well, man. Thank you for coming on. We really appreciate you, bud. You got it. Thank you. Anytime. All right. Well, that was the one and only Jake and Asman of the Jake and Asman show on SB Asian. Well, great guy, great guest talking a whole bunch of great things, man. Absolutely. Not only is he doing his dream, but he's from the Long Island area. It's absolutely awesome to hear that and to see people from the island go out and basically blow up and become what what they've always wanted to be. And that's always awesome to hear that. And not only that, just talking sports in general. 
we're Islanders fans. We got to speak Islanders with him. Huge Islanders fan. Jets fan. Got to speak to the Jet fan. You know, got to talk to him about New York sports. And the Yankees, of course, and even the Mets. And it's been absolutely an awesome time. So, Jake, thank you so much for coming on. We really appreciate you, bud. And we hope that you come on again sometime soon. And, hey, Sean, another great show by us for sure. Another great show. Will, any final thoughts about no, no, just uh, stay safe and stay healthy. All right. Well, uh, no final thoughts from me. Shout out to Jake for coming on. Give him a follow. Great guy. So for my partner, William Chirucci, a.k.a. Rossi, and for our guest, Jake Nasman, I'm your host, Sean Thomas, a.k.a. Sonny on the mic, on the board sports, signing out. Peace out and stay safe. <laughs>